Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Uh, Today we're going to do a little breastfeeding and we're going to do a little bit beyond as well. I have with me my guest, and that is Rachel Martin. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much. um, I'm glad to be here. For those of you who might not know, Rachel Martin is the author of The Brave Art of Motherhood. She is also a blogger at Finding Joy. She is a speaker, marketer, podcaster, and, get this, single mother of seven. She presents this very pivotal book, and spoiler alert, she's got another one coming out, for moms to spark that hope that they need to overcome self-doubt fear, pressure, and isolation. And I'm thinking, wow, that could be a whole bunch of people and not just moms as well. <laughs> anyway, Rachel, welcome. We we very much are looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Well, I am so, very honored to be here, so thank you. So good, good. So Rachel, I got to tell you, I'm really having trouble getting my head around the fact that you speak all over the world. You have a full-time blogging job. You have seven children and you are a single mother. Now, last I checked, all of that kind of takes time. So (laughs) (laughs) um, how do you make sure that you devote some time for yourself? Well, that is, uh, Marie, that's a huge passion of mine because I lived many years of my life with putting myself on the back burner, thinking Mm -hmm. that I'll get to myself tomorrow and, or that kind of, you know, that thing where we think, you know what, I'll take care of my health tomorrow or I'll do it then. And one day, probably about six years ago, it hit me that life was going to pass by whether or not I decided to do everything I wanted to do tomorrow. And I read the quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that she said, do one thing every day that scares you. And I decided to adopt that as my mantra and everything that I was putting off to tomorrow, I decided to start doing today and putting that first on the priority list. And sometimes it would be simple things and sometimes it would be really scary out of the box things. And gradually over time, it became this posture of realizing that when I take care of myself, I'm really a better mother for my children because I'm no longer operating on fumes. I'm operating Mm -hmm. and giving them the fullness of myself. Fullness of myself. That is so important. Rachel, give us a couple of examples of those scary things or those out-of-the-box things. Well, I will tell you that. So I deal with iron deficiency anemia. And Mm -hmm. I know that you know with um, breastfeeding and all of that, it's really important, the nutrition. And I kind of put myself, again, on the back burner and winded up uh, about two years ago in the emergency room because of my anemia. And that's a real wake-up call of being there and realizing I absolutely have to not decide that getting this iron under control and getting my hemoglobin all back to where it should be is it needs to be done today. My, my children count on me. And, and, and so that was a wake up call. And then I just decided, you know, out of the box things that anything that was frightening or things that I told myself I couldn't do, I started to question why I was saying I couldn't do it. Was it that something I told myself when I was young that I was still believing when I was 40? Mm. And when I started to break that down, I realized I was holding myself back from things that I had decided at a very young age I wasn't capable of doing. And then I ended up actually learning to love them. Mm. Okay. That's interesting. You know, Several things were racing through my mind as you were talking. I was thinking that just earlier today, I wrote a blog about how I got into writing articles. And when I was young, I really thought that that was only just for people that had, I don't know, some special gift and I didn't have it. But once I actually got so I wrote, uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was like... uh, I didn't really think I can do this, but I can do this. And then I was thinking about the whole rest and take care of yourself thing. I don't know. It must have been two or three years ago when my doctor said to me, 
are you getting enough rest? Are you getting enough sleep? And I said, uh, well, uh, yeah, I guess so. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then he asked me about when I went to bed and when I got up. And of course, I really couldn't give him a decent answer. And he said, look, it's really important to go to bed at the same time and get up at the same time. And I'm thinking, oh, fella, you so like do not have any idea what my life is like. And I spent a lot of years working as a nurse where I was working 11 to 7 and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so I just always accepted it as, well, this isn't possible. But what I hear you saying is sometimes you've just got to say, yeah, this is possible. I am going to do it. And my guess is that you, like I, and probably like many other women have found that when you really can take care of yourself, get the right rest, do the, not even the right exercise, but just do exercise, et cetera, it really makes a difference. But I know you've got seven children. Now, when I was a kid, I knew a lot of people who had seven children. Right yeah. now, I don't know too many women who have seven children. So my question is, at some point, all of them had to be little. They had to be like, you know, maybe elementary school and less and more. So during that time when your kids were all really small, how did you find time for yourself? Well, that is a very interesting thing. I started blogging when I still had my youngest was one, not even quite one. So I, a lot of my early writings were of those days where when you have little kids, half your battle is really keeping them from not getting hurt. It's just right. you're chasing after them. <laughs> it's just constant energy. And so I always tell moms, first of all, to never compare their current situation with a mom whose children are over five, because there is a difference that there's something that happens when they no longer need you in their face yeah. all the time. All the time, 24-7, yep. But it's we live in a world of comparison. We live in someone seeing a Facebook post or someone seeing something, and we live with this. If they're doing it, how come I'm not? And I always and I want moms to know and understand that comparison, you know, it really does kill your own contentment, and it really mm -hmm. does belittle what you do do. So when you have children under five. And I remember this. Sometimes it's not taking care of yourself doesn't look like what everybody else thinks that taking care of yourself because you can't probably do yoga for 20 minutes without someone <laughs> pulling up the leg. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I used to find it in the most bizarre things like I and I've written about this tons like sometimes I would just drive an extra 20 minutes home. I take the way the path when I lived in Minnesota, I would take a drive that went through some lakes and it was 20 minutes. The kids were in the car. They were content. And during that time, it was my own sanity. It was just this moment to decompress because I knew the second my van hit the driveway, yep. it was back full speed again. Yep. So I had to train myself to grab those moments when I can. And then really to start to learn to say yes if a friend comes over saying yes to having them come in, not apologizing about the mess, but a, saying yes to us being in fellowship and unity together without the expectations that we seem to carry all the time. Mm. And that alone really helped open up space. And then for me, that was when I started to write because I thought, you know, I can't get out of my house all the time. They're little and it's crazy. And I, I lived in Minnesota most of my life and it's cold half the year. Sure so is. I, found it, I found an outlet and my outlet was writing and in the writing I found community. So I, I always say find an outlet if you can. It could be piano playing or knitting or cooking or something that you do that you love that doesn't necessarily is, is attached to the word mom because mm. Mm -hmm. You have that part of you. Uh, we mm -hmm. all do. We all, our parents, I, my, my parents invested a lot of money in piano lessons. And it's, it's, I've, I've started playing a lot again. And it's almost an honor to them. Like, you guys yes. put all this energy into me. Yes. And I'm still going to use it today. Yeah, you know, just a while ago, one of the people on my team said to me something like, uh, I, I don't know how we got to talking about this, but it was knitting. And she said, Marie, I can't believe that you really have time to knit. And I said, well, I don't have time to not knit. Right. Because for me, that is an opportunity to have my hands busy. I, I really can't just sit. But if I have my hands busy, then somehow my mind gets cleared out. And 
I might think of a blog that I'm going to write, or I might think of how I'm going to restructure a course that I'm going to give, or I might think about some thing that I'm going to, you know, come up with. But for me, at least, and I think I'm hearing you say the same, sometimes it's the ability to just give your mind like that space to forge ahead in a very gentle way. I think that's very true. I read a book once called Margin, and it talks Mm. about how you can never read a book with the words all the way to the edge. It would make your brain go nuts. But we live our lives with our expectations all the way to the edge. And he's basically like, you need to give yourself margin. So when you said the knitting, I, when I would play piano, and I still do, and I taught piano lessons for lots of years, but my mother would say, I always knew what kind of day you had based on what you played on the piano. Oh, interesting. So even now as an adult and as a writer, I get that clarity when I'm playing the piano because it's something that I've invested many, I've played since I was four. And so I can play with eat without the expectations of perfection. I can just let myself mentally rest for a moment. And then I Mm -hmm. get a lot of clarity in other spaces. Rachel, do you find that, that this is almost like an addiction? And I say that because that's how it is for me. I have to have that space it could be knitting or something else, but I need to have that space to write, to knit, to read, to something. And if I don't get even a little bit of that, I feel really deprived. Would you agree? You know, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that where a lot of moms wrestle today is they feel guilt when they take that mm. space. It's oh, yeah. inverted. And mm-hmm. it's uh, and if, I, if we can speak more about it's not inverted, what's really Uh, kind of almost detrimental to self is to deny that space where we get that moment of rest and think we don't really need it. Because again, it's like deciding I'm going to make it to wherever, even though the gas tank says we have 33 miles left and it's 42 miles. Well, you can't push yourself beyond that, beyond what you're capable of. Mm. Oh, that is so true. And you know what? We are almost coming up to a break. And so I'm going to ask our listeners to just kind of hang in there because on the other side of the break, I'm going to ask Rachel Marie Martin to expound upon that a little bit. So guess what, everybody? (laughs) Don't go away. Rachel Martin and I will be back right after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. 
To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And today I'm here with Rachel Martin, and she is talking about motherhood. Rachel, can you just pick up where you left off about that inversion? Well, I I really believe when you look back at culture, this is where I, I think back. I look at the Amish or I look at oh, yeah. the way moms lived forever. It was yep. always this community like we need to build something. Everybody's going to come do it. And now we live in this, wherever you are, I always call it the kind of closed garage door world where we get in our homes, we drive in, we shut the door, we, we shut the, and we kind of isolate ourselves from community. And yet we base community off of social. We see all this stuff and social is a highlight reel. So we're not only not creating community within our community, we're also creating kind of a utopian ideal of community often because we see what's you know, which is great. And I always tell moms, celebrate your friends' wins. Because when you have an awesome moment, you want your friends to say, that is so awesome. Mm -hmm. But we have to step back and decide that just because they're doing all this stuff doesn't mean I have to say yes to doing all of what I see everybody else doing. What's the best is to say yes to what's good for our family specifically. Love what our friends do love what our neighbors do, but don't use it as like a tally sheet, but just use it as, wow, that's cool. That's cool that they are so, they love Taekwondo and that's cool that that family runs. And that's cool that that family loves music that much. Because if you look at life as this beautiful spectrum of colors, if we all did the same thing, it would be boring. It would be gray. It would be no color. And we all have various things that we add to it, but we can't do everything because you know, you look at all the different things. If you put all the colors together, you again, lose color. So I always just say, embrace where you are and love your friends for where they are. And that kind of allows us moms to take this breath. I would agree. But I would also say that some women actually try to do that. And then they just end up feeling really guilty. Mm -hmm. So uh, how what are your best strategies for staying focused on the present and what you know is right rather than um, beating yourself up? How do you find joy in the moment? Well, I, uh, joy and happiness are different. Um, okay. To me, joy is, uh, happiness is derived on the externals. I feel really happy when I get ice cream at Dairy Queen or something like that. Or my kids come (laughs) home and they're happy. It's just contagious. It's an energy within the space. Joy to me is a posture of living that seeks to find something good and beautiful no matter where you are in your life. And it's very challenging. There have been moments where my kids have been in the hospital and I've specifically had to train my brain to look for something that was great or good or I was thankful for. And Mm -hmm. that's very challenging um, in certain circumstances of life. But the absence of joy is bitterness. And I didn't, I knew I didn't want to become bitter. So I've developed a posture of living where I teach my children and I, I write about it often is just to seek out something that's good in each day. And it can be as simple as the coffee at Starbucks was the exact way I like it. Or this friend smiled at me on the bus. And what it allows you to do is to see that the little things in life, the little moments in life are really probably going to be the moments that I look back at if I'm blessed to live 80 some years, that I'm going to look back and go, oh, I'm so thankful for that moment. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would t- totally agree. Totally Uh, And I'm thinking about those little things as you're talking, and I'm realizing the little things were probably more important and more memorable to me than the big things. I Uh, would agree with you. (laughs) I'm also thinking about a time when I called my mother. Mother's Day was coming up in a few days, and I always made the trek to see my mother, which was like about a 400-mile trek. And this one time I said to her, I said, you know, I really, really hate to say this, but 
I just got back from Alaska. I had just uh, done a program up there. As you know, it's a five-hour time differential, so you're kind of wiped right. out just just from that. Never mind all of the travel and all of the speaking at the conference and all of the people and all of the suitcases and all of that. You know, I was just I was kind of done in, and I said I. I just really feel bad, but I just really don't think I can make the 400-mile trek. And I remember what my mother said. She said, oh, honey, don't worry about it. She said, every day that you come, it's Mother's Day. It doesn't matter what day of the year it is. It doesn't have to be Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took a step back, and I thought to myself, what is it that I do every other day of the year? And, you know, honestly, I don't know. But <laughs> but whatever it was, it must have been the small things not the big whoopla for Mother's Day and the corsage and the cake and the, all of that stuff. That was not what got what what seemed important to her, I guess. And, I, I think you're right. You yeah. are right with that. Uh, my my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's graduating college this year, and uh, in Seattle, and so she lives a ways from me. And um, she wrote a Mother's Day thing last year, and the things that she wrote that she loved were the things that you wouldn't know probably in the moment. She loved that I taught her how to play this card game up at the cabin in Northern Minnesota. And we played it every, every year. Like it Mm. was just the simplest thing. And, uh, I wrote about in the post why being a mom is enough that it was the same thing with all of my kids is they just loved the moments where I was around, where I would do one extra thing. Or there's, I, I tell moms like, you know, kids, when you wait in the preschool pickup line, they are not looking for perfection when they're looking across it. They're just looking for their mom. And there's something so oh, beautiful about that. Yeah. Like yeah. they don't care that you're got, you're put together this day or you've had a hard day. They just want their mom. Their mom. I would and agree. There's something very beautiful that is, it's easy to lose the profound gift of being someone's mom. There's a, there's a question I have though, about what is a seemingly contradictory message from you. And that is, in one breath, you say that being a mom is enough. Mm-hmm. And in another breath, you say that uh, you're passionate about not losing yourself and your dreams in the middle of being uh, a mother. So are those two things really contradictory or I, paradoxical or, or, or what? You are my favorite interviewer ever. I um, <laughs> absolutely... Love that question because, I mean, it's, it, it really is the book that I, that's going to be released, The Brave Art of Motherhood. And I think that motherhood is an art. There is no after motherhood. I mean, there's before motherhood. Like yes. I remember my life before, but there's really not a space in the rest of my timeline that's after. Right. And so the, the mix is where it's paradoxical, where everyone is like, how do you do it? Is the balancing of the you that you are intrinsically as a woman and everything that you have from before and all of that with you as a mom. And when you can meld them beautifully and teach your children that it is good to have dreams and it's good to have goals and it's good to stick with it and, and take care of yourself. And it is just as beautiful to be a mom in the middle of it and love them and show up. Then it becomes balanced. I think where it becomes unbalanced is sometimes people think, well, I should only be content with being a mom like this, or I should only, I'm going to only work on this side. But if you look at like yin and yang, it is just this like kind of ebb and flow back and forth balance between the two spaces. And when one is not rightly ordered, you feel it on the other side. And when it's not rightly ordered in maybe taking care of yourself, you feel it, it flips back and forth. And the whole journey of life to me is trying to figure out how to navigate kind of in that tension and that balance. Well, that was pretty profound, Rachel. Uh, I I totally agree with you. And I liked your analogy of the yin and the yang because you're right. Uh, And and interestingly, I just had a guest a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about craniosacral therapy. And she talked about how just as the body seeks chemical, this was Carol Gray, for those of you who are, are regular listeners. And Carol Gray talked to us and said, The body seeks chemical balance, but it also seeks structural balance, just as much so. And you're saying, yeah, yeah, the the body or the brain or the whole person really seeks balance between all of those roles. Am I getting you right? 
I would definitely say that's what it is. I, I, when you put too much into one space, you lose out of other spaces. So it's just, it's kind of this holistic view I have of taking care of yourself, taking care of your kids. And when you're in balance, when your family's in balance, then it's, it's a beautiful thing. And as a mom, I am teaching my children what it means to be a parent and a mom. And if I'm teaching them deprive myself, then it becomes a next generation of, oh, I can't do that. And I really want my children to love family and love um, all that that encompasses. And I also want them to be proud of who they are and what gifts they bring to this world. And I believe that you can do both. Yeah, you know, it's it's not always easy. And I see, having been a nurse and worked with nurses, which are mostly women and mostly mothers, mm-hmm. I've always seen them really struggle with that push and pull between family and work. And actually, I see it here in my own office as well. I'm thinking that everybody here is a mother. Now, I'm trying to think of anybody who isn't. Uh We do occasionally have a college kid or somebody that comes in for the summer. But, you know, the truth is that most people gravitate towards this office because I promised them a a family-friendly environment. And what that means is that when the school calls and the kid has just gotten, uh, you know, a concussion playing volleyball, I say to the employee, well, go, scram. You know, the rest of us will cover. It's okay. But so often women feel as though they've got to make the choice and and they end up making a choice that they don't like. And that's another whole story. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Rachel Martin. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Rachel Martin just got through talking with us a little bit about the importance of taking care of yourself. And she touched a little bit on the idea of a village and as I could hear myself talking at the break, she pointed out that even in my office, we've got a little bit of a mini village. So, Rachel, all that is like really well and fine. But what do you do? Well, let's let's back up. How has the village rallied around you or how do you become a villager who rallies around other people? 
Well, I will say in my own life, I've gotten, I have some very dear friends that have shown up. Uh, my friend, my best friend from Minnesota, Maria, lived right behind me. And there were many days uh, after my divorce that she would come over to my house and she would knock on the door. And instead of saying no or anything, she would walk in with a bucket of cleaning supplies and she would just start cleaning. And she would oh, say, wow. I know that you're too busy and I'm here for you. And I oh, would try wow. to apologize. And she would say, no, 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 this is what, this is what we do for each other. Mm. And in the same breath, uh, after she had her daughter, Emma, she had a C-section and, uh, her, uh, husband was, had some work duties at church that night. And I stayed overnight in the hospital with her and just was there. And I think that's yeah. what the village is. It's not necessarily, um, it's just this being there aspect of it. It's like my friend, Amy, I've labeled her 3am friend on my phone <laughs> that if I need her, if I have yeah. anxiety at night, I can call her at 3am and she won't say, Hey, why are you calling me at 3am? She'll say, I'm here. I'm going to listen. I'm going to yes. go get a cup of tea. And, yeah. um, a lot of moms will write me saying, well, I don't have a village. I don't know how to do this. And I tell them very, very clearly that the first step to having a village is being the village. And that mm-hmm. means seeking out people, whether it's the barista at Starbucks or the coffee shop that always says hello to you and knows your name, that person has invested in you. And sometimes we don't see them. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I moved from Nash- uh, from Minneapolis to Nashville and I had a friend that she was always there, but I didn't realize it until she showed up the day before Christmas and her and her family loaded my entire house in the truck. Oh, and wow. I realized she is the village and she has always been there, but I just was so busy. I didn't see. So I tell these moms that if you need a village, you need to start the village. You need to start reaching out to the, maybe a mom at preschool that you see no one's talking to. Well, chances are, if no one's talking to her, she's probably looking for somebody else too. And it's just that opening up and seeking out of people around you and then being willing to invite them into your space because Mm. that's what the village is. It's not about perfection. It's about saying, come on into my house. Um, I always say that the second you apologize for your house or (laughs) who you are, you put that expectation on your friend because if I say oh, I'm so sorry. It's a mess. The dishes are there. And, and, you know, it's just normal living. Well, now your friend has some type of expectation that, oh, if Rachel comes over, she apologized last time because she had dishes in her sink. I better not have them. And so I, I've taught moms to keep mm. the bar high. Like, let's not wallow, but let's be gracious to where we are so that we are, can be yeah. with each other. Rachel, as I hear you talking, one of the things that bothers me a lot is that I've often said, and I could just like pontificate about this for ages, but breastfeeding mothers really need to surround themselves with other breastfeeding mothers, or at least mothers who are supportive of breastfeeding or supportive of motherhood or something along those lines. But here's what happens. The mother goes home all by herself. She's trying to breastfeed in this like vacuum And yes, she gets online and yes, she does, uh, you know, the chat rooms and all that. But I don't think that's the same. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you have about uh, helping, helping breastfeeding mothers to help each other and to allow themselves to be helped? Sometimes I feel like my message is falling on deaf ears when I say, get enough rest, especially if you have twins, be sure that you get somebody to help you at home. It could be your sister. It could be hired help. It could be whatever, but you can't do this alone. And they kind of look at me like, well, now I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to be, no, I just don't think that's realistic. So what advice do you have for breastfeeding mothers? Well, I would say a couple things. First of all, uh, the best parenting advice that I ever got, I, and I think I told you this earlier, was uh, what the nurse told me after I had my first daughter, Hannah, when I left the hospital. She said, when, the, when she rests, you need to rest. And I think that's a cry for life. And I, I said, oh, yeah. And I didn't, you know, I listened, but I kind of didn't really listen because I thought I'm going to be super mom. <laughs> right, right, but right. it is, it is the most, that was the first advice I was given as a mom. And I think there's something very beautiful about it that they knew, the nurse knew I needed to rest. Right. And then the second thing is, so my son's, my son, Caleb, he's 12. He gets frustrated when with something that he starts new because he thinks that he's supposed to understand it without going through the process of it. 
whether it's something in math or playing basketball, he wants to be at the finished place where he knows how to shoot that perfect free throw without having to go through all the effort to get there. And I think that even with breastfeeding, that a lot of times we think, especially when you're new to it, Mm -hmm. that I should be able to do it perfectly without realizing there's a process. There's this like space that we have to give and take and back and forth. And sometimes it's horribly hard and sometimes it goes fantastic. But when we hold ourselves to the expectation of being at the finish line from the start, that's where the frustration gets in. And Mm -hmm. I believe there's a lot of grace in going, you know what, this part, this day was frustrating and it was hard and I didn't like it. And getting that out helps you go to the next day and going, this day was great. So it's a process. Hey, you know, Rachel, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about several years ago, there was a nurse who took me aside and kind of said, can I talk to you? I said, sure, sure. What's going on? She said, I'm getting a lot of pressure to wean my baby. And I want Mm -hmm. to say the baby was about 10 months old or so. And she was in a managerial position at the hospital. And I said, uh, well, I'm sure you know there's really no medical indication. This is really a parenting decision. And, you know, how how do you feel about it? How does your baby feel about it? And she gave me a very interesting answer and one that I've heard before and since, but not quite as well as she had described it to me. She said, Marie, this is my time to go home after a busy, hairy day, a time to collect myself and my daughter, and I get that feeling of calm that comes over me. Of course, if she's got mm-hmm. all the, that prolactin floating around, all right? Right. <laughs> and so she's saying to me, I don't want to give this up because this is my time. Mm-hmm. So as you can well imagine, I gave her my whole song and dance on how it it is okay. It is okay that this is your time. So that does not happen. When people say about how great breastfeeding is, they're not talking about the first few days, okay? They're just not. But once you get into that rhythm with your baby, would you agree that that is much more equivalent to your yoga or your knitting or you your whatever, that you begin to have that time to collect yourself? Absolutely. To me, yeah. it was forced chill time. (laughs) I mean, it really was. I couldn't vacuum. I couldn't, despite all the wraps and all the different things, it was really a gift to me as a mom to sit down and just have that time with my baby or have that time and read to my toddler. Or it was just, it was actually permission to take Mm. a break. And You don't have what my my kids were fast breastfeed breastfeeders, so sometimes my breaks were very short. But it was just this space that I was given, and I wouldn't trade those moments for anything. Looking back now that my youngest is eight, boy, I wouldn't trade those years because they were such a gift for me to connect with the youngest in a family with many many children. It was one on one time just given to me and them. You know, a lot of them want to do their texting and stuff. And of course, that was in my day, there just wasn't any such a thing. But anyway, what are your thoughts on the use of social media to create the village that you're talking about? I have seen it done beautifully. I, okay. um, I've, I've seen that some people don't have a village where they are, and um, they can connect that way. But I always connect, I always want them to take it a step further. And if they have this great village, uh, how do, can they create that community where they live? So we have a lot of readers at Finding Joy, and I've done meetups in different cities where I've said, hey, you all have the same kind of love of motherhood, and we don't want the competition, and we want to support each other. Let's all get together so you guys can know each other in this space. And I believe that's a real powerful way to use social media for, for good in that way is to create yes. these places. And then how can we expand it into the community? Even where mm-hmm. I live now, there's um, moms groups that use social media to talk about the events and then create the community. Yes, I would agree. And to some extent, I really hope that this podcast helps people to do that. I know, for instance, I just got an inquiry uh, maybe a week or so ago And the woman said that she was an IBCLC, but her daughter was pregnant and was expecting a baby with Down syndrome, et cetera, et cetera. 
And she basically asked me, what are the resources? Mm -hmm. So I, I gave her a chapter out of my book and I think I pointed her to some other resource, but I also said to her, because I don't think that she really thought about people as being a resource. And I said, uh, you know, I don't mind helping you a little bit. I've got friends who can help you a little bit. I've got former students who have taken my course who can help you a little bit. And what I was really trying to convey to her is none of us are going to have all of the answers or all of the support, but all of us can help you a little. And in helping you a little, uh, basically... uh, like when you put all those little things together, Rachel, you know what I'm saying? Perfect. Uh, it, yep. it, it, it really can, can make that difference. So everybody, do not go away. When we come back, I'm going to be asking Rachel Martin some real tough questions. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso, and I am here today with author, blogger, and just amazing mother, Rachel Martin. So, Rachel, here's a question for you. Uh, if you befriended a new mother, uh, maybe maybe a mother with a tiny baby or a mother who is pregnant, what would be some words of wisdom that you would offer her as a seasoned mother? Uh, what do you wish you would have known or wish somebody would have told you when you were just a new mom starting out? Uh, my sister just had a baby. Uh, my sister, Abby, She my, my niece, June, is going to be two. And... Uh, When she was first born, Abby and I had a conversation and it was so profound. She said, you know what? I just need to feel all that I need to to know. I have to go through this experience of motherhood about worrying about these things. She said, even though you know, I still have to learn. And I think that's part of the wisdom is knowing that I could say, take a rest or uh, make sure you 
do this or whatever. But part of the process of motherhood is getting your feet underneath you and going through the experience. I, I can give all the advice there is about having a daughter leave for college, but you, I couldn't grasp it until I actually experienced Did it. it. Yeah. Agreed. So that is what I would tell them. And then I would also tell them that, um, kids turn out that, there, you are going to make mistakes and it's okay. And what happens is you stand up again and you keep trying. There's the Japanese proverb, fall seven times, stand up eight. And motherhood mm. is a progress. It is a progression of standing up eight times over and over and over again. And the powerful part about being a mom is that you don't stay down. You just keep mm. doing it and you keep fighting and you keep loving them. And you create what is a beautiful rhythm between you and your children. So to all the new moms, that is what I really want them to, it's okay to feel. It is okay to feel nervous that you don't know what you're doing right now. And it's okay to be overwhelmed and it's okay to feel fantastic like you have it all together. And (laughs) I really want them to be okay with being okay. Rachel, I have a lot of trouble convincing mothers to follow their instinct, to follow their gut with whether their kid is sick or hungry or lonely or whatever. But I, I, I really have a hard time just telling them that they really do know. I really believe in that, the, that, that mothers or humans, for that matter, do have a good intuition if they just listen to it. Can you give me some better words? Because clearly the ones I'm using don't work. Uh, well, we, I, mothers do. I, my, my youngest son, Samuel has celiac disease. And when he was diagnosed at 15 months old and the doctors, but specifically the nurses said, when a mother comes in this adamant, we pay attention yeah. because moms know. Absolutely. And I have just had, you just get kind of that sixth, sixth sense. You just know. And I've learned over and over to pay attention to that still small voice in my head and to sometimes it means putting yourself out there and fighting and being an advocate for an answer and um, to just it's a gradual learning of trusting what we know and what our hearts are telling us because we are the ones with them day after day after day after day we're the ones that see the our child and how they're behaving and all of that and we're the ones because we have that intimate relationship with them have the insight to go to a doctor or a teacher and say, you know what, we need to look at this further. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, as a nurse, there are times that I cannot justify what's going on. Like that kid sh- should not be whatever or have that pain or whatever the thing is. But when the mother tells me that, I have learned that even if the science or the logic isn't there. I, I think I learned this working labor and delivery. When the mm-hmm. mother said the baby is coming, mm-hmm. uh, I have never known of a mother to be wrong. <laughs> right, that's so true. I've never known of a mother to be. It, sometimes it's like, what do you mean the baby is coming? The baby couldn't possibly be coming. You were just six centimeters like 40 right. seconds ago. It makes and no they're adamant. sense. And they're adamant, you know, but they're right. I mean, they're just so right. And that was my first understanding that even though my nurse brain doesn't know or can't justify or explain or whatever, the truth is the mother is right. And I think I've carried that with me for my entire career that mothers have an insight, a sixth sense, whatever it is. And I've just learned to pay attention to that, even when it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. So Rachel, um, how can women better serve each other in this journey through motherhood and life? They, it, it's the village. It's understanding that there, I, there is no perfect, there's only real. And the real mother, the real self, the real us is someone that stumbles but stands up and laughs and cries and has good days and bad days. And all of that wrapped in together is what makes a life and a mother, a story and all of that. So we can serve each other when we don't look away. When there's a mom at the grocery store that's struggling and we decide, you know what, I'm just going to help figure out something, even if it's smile at that moment, because feeling alone is kind of the kryptonite to motherhood. And if we can make one help one mom not feel alone, 
then we're serving another another person. Yes, that is so true. Um, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about the, the mother who's trying to get on the city bus and she has the stroller and the kid and the groceries and all of that. And sometimes it's as simple as just offer to take the groceries, you know, right. <laughs> just right. really simple. These are not monumental things, but those really simple things, which you pointed out at the beginning of the show, really make a difference. Uh, Rachel, uh, tell us a little bit. We've got just a few minutes left here. Tell us how we find you uh, at your blog and then tell us, uh, give us just a little sneak preview into your new book. All right. Well, you, my blog is findingjoy.net and you can connect with me in a community at uh, facebook.com slash blog. And my book, The Brave Art of Motherhood, it's really a journey about fighting fear and finding confidence. Like, how do you take care of yourself in the midst of motherhood? And it's debunking all of the excuses that we put, we tell ourselves from being busy mm. to procrastination mm. to mm. thinking we'll get to it tomorrow. And then the last part is a rally cry. It's how do you go about doing it and how do you become the village? It's, it's a challenge to moms to become, to not only take care of themselves, but to also be the village to everyone else. Wow, we're all waiting. When will it come out and how will we find it? Uh, I presume it will be on Amazon. It will probably also be on your website. But when are you anticipating the book will be out? Uh, it's supposed to be released October 9th. Uh, it'll be on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all of those fun places. And you can also kind of go look at it right now at Goodreads. Uh, if you search The Brave oh, Art of Motherhood, yep. it's there. It. Market as want to read. That would be fantastic. Absolutely. Uh you write a whole lot anyway, but I know, believe me, I know, it's it's a whole other thing between writing a blog and writing a book. So, oh, yes. What, <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I wrote a book, I thought, oh, it's kind of like writing articles. It's just like, you oh, know. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's just going to be a bunch of articles, except you put them together and they're bound. You know, it's really, oh, a, oh. oh, it's not. I know, I, I chuckle when people say, I just want to write a book. And I think, oh, okay. Cheers to you. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I have no regrets about that, but I really did not go into it with my eyes open. So what inspired you to do it? We've got less than 30 seconds. Uh, what inspired me to do it was every reader that said, have you written a book? Can you get, write a book? I'd love to read the book. And my readers are my friends. And I wrote the book. Mm. And a book I'm sure that we should all look forward to when it comes out. And, uh, that is The Brave Art of Motherhood. Rachel Martin, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I want everybody to join us next week. And in the meanwhile, just remember, your baby, with or without the village, was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.